Well, today I want to talk to you about meeting with God, and specifically, what happens when we meet with God. Since the beginning of our church family, that idea of meeting with God has been important to us. In fact, if you've ever come to our Discovering New Hope class, you know that uh, we share in that class that one of the key characteristics that we want to be known for in our church family is that we would have genuine worship that enables people or encourages people to meet with God. You see, because many, if not all of us, have been in churches, have we not, where there is no seemingly genuine worship. And, and, and I've been in churches before, I've been a part of churches before, where you never or very seldom maybe get the sense that you have met with God after you leave there. So that's something, when we started New Hope, we said, you know what, God, God, please never let us get to the place where we just come and do church, where we just come and do some activity, where we just come and kind of make ourselves feel good or, or do some things that, that kind of, uh, uh, you know, make us feel better about ourselves. But God, help us to be a place where every time we meet together, there's a sense in which we truly met with God. We, we worshiped you and we were in your presence every time we come together. God, help us to have an experience where we know sharing from his word here this morning the bible teaches that god is truly a personal god he is a god who wants to have a personal relationship with every single one of his special creation called human beings and if you're open to him speaking to your heart here this morning if i'm open to that reality then god will meet with us he will speak to us and he can change our lives today that's why i want to turn to isaiah chapter 6 verses 1 through 8 this morning Isaiah chapter 6 verses 1 through 8 is where we're going to be looking in the Old Testament. The events of this book of Isaiah occurred around 700 B.C., so quite a few years ago. I don't think anybody in this room was around during that time. God raised up this Old Testament prophet who probably started his ministry fairly early in life. In fact, some say his ministry may have spanned as much as 30 plus years. And God had called him, if you know the, the, the history of the nation of Israel, God had called some of his prophets in the Old Testament to speak to the northern kingdom, the, the ten tribes of the northern kingdom of Israel. And God had called some of his prophets to speak to the southern kingdom, the two tribes of Judah. Well, God called Isaiah to speak to Judah. And his message was a message of judgment and a message of hope. And that's evidenced by, first of all, God used the names of his children. How'd you like for God, God to give you the names of your children? One would be kind of a judgment tone, and the other one would be hope. How'd you feel if you were the judgment kid? <laughs> I grew up all my life, I had to be the judgment kid. But God worked through this prophet, even in the naming of his children. You see it even in the breakdown of the book. I believe it's chapters 1 through 39 are more of the judgment theme, and chapters 40 through 66 are more of the hope theme. God gave a message of judgment and a message of hope to his people. So important is this book that Isaiah wrote that it's quoted more in the New Testament than all the other prophets put together. Now listen, to a people who, according to Isaiah, were highly religious. They were highly involved in religious activity, but they lacked, many of them lacked, a true relationship with God. 
To those people, God gave Isaiah many strong words to share, but as much as any other book in God's Word, God gave Isaiah words of hope. Not only words of hope to the people of Judah, but actually words of hope to the world. Well, in chapter 6, after kind of beginning with that, as I said, chapters 1 through 39 are more that judgment theme. After beginning his message with some of those strong challenges, Isaiah shares with us a time when he personally met with God and when God, I believe, changed his life. It was a turning point in the life of Isaiah. As I said earlier, for some of us, it's a very familiar passage. Maybe you've read it many times before. For some, you've maybe never read it before. But I believe God was speaking to Judah And he's also wanting to speak to us today about what happens when we truly meet with God in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. If as a result of coming to church today, you and I are able to come into the presence of Almighty God, what would happen? What would be the result? That's what we want to think about today in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. First of all, I believe these verses teach us that God will show himself to us. What happens when we meet to God? God shows himself to us. Let's read Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 4. It says, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, 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 is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of Him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Have you ever felt like you didn't know much about God? In fact, there may be some of us here today that that maybe you haven't gone to church much because you were intimidated by the thought that, you know what, I don't know as much as I think the rest of these people probably or at least seem to know about God. If you can relate to that, then you have experienced a reality that the Bible affirms. The Bible affirms that we cannot know God on our own. We can't understand Him, we can't know Him, we can't figure Him out until or unless God reveals Himself to us. And the word we use is unless God shows Himself to us. Unless God shows us who He is, we would never be able to figure out who God is and what He's about. And each time we meet with God, I believe these verses teach us He shows Himself to us. He reveals Himself to us. Sometimes it's in small ways, isn't it? Some Sundays you may leave or sometimes you may be having your personal uh, Bible reading and prayer time with the Lord. And maybe it's just a little small thing. Hey, you need to change your attitude this morning that you usually have at breakfast. All right, before you see everybody, why don't you give them the cornflakes first instead of you? That's a small thing, but that's part of the character of God, isn't it? He's a God who serves. He's a God who, who, who wants us to show humility and servanthood in the lives of others. Sometimes it's in dramatic, life-altering ways. Some of you may have received Christ as your Savior as a result of coming to a worship service. Some of you may have restored a marriage relationship or got your finances on track or, or changed a career or something major, life-changing. Well, God spoke to Isaiah in verses 1 through 4. He showed himself to Isaiah. And it says he did it in the year of King Uzziah's death. Now, it's not totally clear why Isaiah uses. Did you notice he used a marker for the time that God spoke to him? Maybe it was because this king had reigned for over 50 years and had, had a great reign of stability. Maybe it was because the king had been fairly strong at one time early in his career but he had ended with some major mistakes. But for whatever reason, his death served as a marker for Isaiah and seemingly for the people. 
When Isaiah was going to share the story about what God did in his life, he used that for nothing else to date, right? <laughs> he said it was, in, it was in the year that King Uzziah died. By the way, many times, don't miss this, many times at important points or at important transitions in our lives or even in the life of our country as a, as a people, God wants to speak to us. He wants to show himself to us in special ways. You might be going through a divorce. You might have, a, have had a major career change in your life. Maybe you're having a child for the first time. Whatever it might be, God says to us that we need to pay attention in those transitional times. Even as a people, we think about things like September 11th, don't we? 2001, how God could use a major event in, in the life of our culture, in the life of our country to speak to us and to grab our attention. And I'm sure that God showed himself to people, maybe even many of us here, in ways that we had never experienced his presence before. John chapter 12, verse 41 tells us, in probably referring to this passage that we're reading, that Isaiah saw Jesus' glory. It says, he saw the Lord on his throne high up and filling the temple. Now, the question that comes is, was Isaiah actually worshiping in the temple? Or was he taken there? Was he somewhere else and he was taken there by the Lord? Or maybe some people think that he was actually taken up into heaven in the sense that heaven would be the temple of God. We don't know for sure, but I think probably what happened was he was worshiping in the temple. He was seeking God. He was in the Lord's presence, and God showed himself to him in a powerful way. He saw seraphim standing above the Lord. These are heavenly beings. Usually we consider them angels. They're only specifically mentioned in the Bible right here, although many people believe that Revelation 4 and some of the references in Ezekiel may very well be seraphim as well. But their name means burning ones, which speaks of fire. And fire is usually associated with God's holiness. And so their primary purpose appears to be to reflect the glory and the brilliance of God. They're described as having six wings with two of their wings that cover their face. You kind of, again, there's an emphasis on the holiness of God that they couldn't even look upon the Lord's presence. With two, they covered their feet, uh, which we, we think probably means that they were showing humility in the sense of a creatureliness. Uh, they were with two wings, they flew, which probably gives the idea that they were at God's bidding. Whatever God said to do, it was time for them to move. They were active. They were, they were movement-oriented at the Lord's bidding. Their message was a message of holiness, of power, of fullness, of majesty. And as they called out, the Bible says the temple shook and it was filled with smoke. Now, I give you those details and that description so you can kind of get a little bit of the picture, but let's don't get too caught up in the details. Can you imagine an experience like that? Can you imagine coming to church this morning? And the building shakes, and, and you see angels, and you, and you see the presence of God, and you just have a sense that he's filling that area, and a, a trembling about it, and it being filled with smoke, and just the awe and the power of that. Now, in one sense, we wouldn't expect the Lord to do that today, based on Hebrews chapter 1. Verses 1 through 2, it tells us that God's done lots of different things to reveal himself throughout history, but today he reveals himself through his son, Jesus Christ. We don't need to come into the, to this area and see God reveal himself in a miraculous kind of way. We have all we need. We have Jesus Christ and the testimony of Jesus in his word. But in another sense, doesn't God show up in our lives many times? Doesn't, doesn't God reveal himself to us in power? Has anybody here ever experienced the awesome presence of God in your life you know that you've been in the Lord's presence you know that he's shown himself to you in a way that you've never known him before 
It's my prayer here today that there'll be such an atmosphere of worship here in this place that God would be able to be here with us, that he would be able to meet here with us, that he would be able to show himself to us in a way maybe that we've never noticed or known before. Because when we are in that position, when God is able to show himself to us in a, in a way that we've maybe never understood him before, the second thing happens. And number two in verses five through seven God changes us. What happens when we meet with God? God shows himself to us. He reveals things about himself that maybe we had never known, never experienced before. And as a result of that, many times that is a cause for God to change our lives. In verse 5 it says, Then I said, Isaiah speaking, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, And I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Many of you know that at the end of our service, we have something called an invitation. Now, what we do is we just give an opportunity. If God has spoken to someone's heart, they don't have to come forward to make a decision. They can make a decision right in their very seat, just between them and God. But we give an opportunity that if someone wants to share a decision that God's done in their lives or they want to make public a profession of faith in Christ, that they have that opportunity. And sometimes people ask me, Pastor, does it bother you when people don't come forward? Does it bother you? That, that somebody didn't respond to, and many times they'll say, your message. <laughs> and maybe that's the distinction that we need to make. I tell them, well, if, not if you mean in the sense, do I take it personal, or do I feel like a failure, or do I need that to feel like a success? Because uh, just to encourage you, if you're serving the Lord here today, faithfulness is the measure of God's success. That's what God's looking for is faithful servants. All I can do is is ask God, Lord, is this the message you wanted me to give to folks? And and if I give that message, then then I'm the I'm the postal service, and I just delivered the message. And I I, I can't help if somebody don't like the bill they got in the mail or the letter they got in the mail. I'm just a delivery boy. However, I would say that it does bother me for the person that God might be speaking to today, because when we meet with the Lord. My friends, do you understand something? There is the opportunity of a lifetime. When we meet with the Lord, we could very well, very likely in fact, have our life changed. And it does bother me to know that there might be some of us here today that could have experienced the change of a lifetime and maybe didn't. Yes, that part bothers me. In Isaiah, it says, he was changed when he met with the Lord. When he came into the presence of the Lord, he had seen the Lord in a way he had never seen him before. The holiness of God. Now, you may say, I don't understand that word. What do you mean holiness? It just means God is different than us. Amen? God is different. He is unique. He is set apart from us. We could say he is in a league all his own. Amen? Baseball season starting up. He's in a league all of his own. God is set apart. He is holy. And that reality became more real to Isaiah than probably ever before in his life. And as a result of that, Isaiah saw the Lord for who he really was. And I can't even, I I try to put myself in his place. Can you imagine? I can't even, I can only imagine today. But I put myself in that place of thinking, God, if I had come into your presence in the sense that the way that that, that Isaiah did, what would have happened in my life? In verse 5, it tells us that Isaiah was brought to the point of confession. He said, woe is me. 
Oh my goodness, <laughs> for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He says, God, when I, when I compare myself to you, I am so unlike you. In fact, God, I don't know anyone. Even as I look out among, our, among my people, I don't know anybody who is like you, God. Isaiah, Isaiah didn't make any excuses. He didn't try to rationalize. He didn't try to ignore it. There was no denying. He had seen God for who God really is. And as he looked at God, he was automatically turned to, to think about himself. And he said, God, I'm not like you. I am so different than you. And don't misunderstand me. Some of us hear me say that, and, and you would say, yeah, yeah, you don't have to tell me, Robbie. I know I'm not like God. I don't need it poked down my throat. I know I'm about as far as I could possibly get from God. But that's not the response I'm talking about today. Isaiah wasn't guilted. He wasn't shamed. He wasn't brought to the point. See, the enemy likes for us to do that. The enemy likes for us to turn what could be true conviction or true God's spirit working in our heart just to reveal things to us. God's just wanting to bring out the impurities so he can make us stronger. The enemy wants to bring them out so he can make us weaker. And so the enemy will say, oh yeah, you're, sure, you're certainly not like God. You're terrible. You're this, you're that. And that shames us into isolation. And it, and it keeps us in that separation relationship from God. That's not what God's wanting. God's wanting us to be in his presence and for us to be changed. Not just that he would speak to us, but that we could be changed. We would, we would begin to say, Lord, I'm so unlike you, but I want to be. Amen? I, I'm, not, I'm not backing into a corner here and just kind of shriveling up in a shell. I just see that you're so much different than me in this area or that area. It didn't push Isaiah away. It was drawing him to the Lord. And God knew Isaiah's heart. And as a result of that, in verses 6 through 7, the Bible tells us that God was able to purge him. God was able to cleanse him. God was going to take his sin away. Is that what it says? Your iniquity is taken away. The areas of your life, Isaiah, that you are unlike me, that's going to be removed from you. That's going to be taken away from you. And your sin is forgiven. Not only is that aspect of your life going to be uh, changed, but the very fact that it was unlike me in the first place and the separation that brought between me and you, all that's going to be cleared up. And you're going to have the three best words in the English language put across you, paid in full. Amen? It works for spiritual debt. It works for car loans. It works for home loans. <laughs> paid in full are the three best words in the English language. Amen? And that's what God said. You can just forget about it. It's been cleansed. Now, we don't, we're not told here all the ways that Isaiah personally had dishonored God. But did you notice the Bible says that he apparently had dishonored the Lord with his lips? He says, for I am a man of unclean lips. Now, we're not sure. Maybe this was symbolic because what comes out of the mouth started on the inside, right? People say what comes up in the well or in the bucket was, oh, I messed that up. <laughs> What's down in the well comes up in the bucket. That's what I meant to say. What's coming out on the outside started on the inside. So maybe it was just symbolic for the rest of his life. Or maybe truly Isaiah was saying there were some things that he had done with his mouth that had dishonored God. But much of his life had not been lived for the Lord. And now that Isaiah had met with God, now that God had shown himself to Isaiah, Isaiah saw it. For what it was, maybe he had seen it before but not really acknowledged it. Maybe he had never. Have you ever had that happen? Maybe Have you ever come into the Lord's presence and you say, 
I didn't even know that. I didn't even know I was doing that. God, I see it. That's wrong. He admitted it. God, I don't like it anymore. That's repentance. God, I don't want that anymore. And he was forgiven. He trusted in God, and God forgave him. What is it that God may be wanting to change in your life today? If you truly were to meet with God today, if you are sensing more than ever before maybe in your life that you're in his presence today, maybe it's your mouth too. Maybe you've used your mouth to say filthy or hurtful things. Or maybe to discourage others or to not build them up in their life. Maybe you've used your mouth to ingest substances that hurt your body that God wants to be the the temple of his spirit. Or maybe your mouth has been used to say wasteful things. Maybe they weren't bad things. They just weren't profitable things. Instead of using your mouth to encourage and to build up others and to share with them the hope that Christ wants to give them, maybe your, your mouth's just kind of been used in a casual way. And you're realizing that they say, God, I don't want that anymore. That's not what you would do if, if you were working through my mouth. Maybe it's your eyes. Maybe God's convicting you about your eyes. You're watching some things that God would not want his eyes to be watching. Maybe it's your ears. You've listened to things that you shouldn't have listened to. That phone conversation should have been stopped 10 seconds into it, not have gone on for an hour. Listen, this is no longer about anybody else's expectations for your life. Not mine, not yours, not your mama's. Right now, you sense that God is speaking to you, and you might have one of the clearest understandings that you've ever had in your life that God has wanted to change something in your life. He's wanting to purge something, to cleanse something, to forgive and take away something in your life. When we meet with God, there's the opportunity for our life to be changed. Aren't you glad for that? Will you allow him to do that today? Will you allow the Lord even right now? Because you kind of get the sense from this passage that, that that opportunity to meet with God is an opportune time, isn't it? Many times I will share with us at the end of the service, if God is speaking in your heart, don't wait one more moment. Don't wait one more afternoon. Don't, may, don't wait one more day because there may never be a service quite like this. You may never be quite as open as you are today. It may be, according to this passage, that you sent something about the Lord that something has become clear and real to you about God today that is so clear and so real that now is the best time for you to respond to it. And if you miss this opportunity and walk out these doors, it's not that God wouldn't give you the opportunity, but you may never be in a position to understand and receive that again. That's the reality. Now, I thank God that by His grace, He gives us many, many times, most of the time, I won't even say second chances. How about 130 second chances? Amen? But he's not obligated to give us one more opportunity. Now is all I need. If God is speaking to my heart, how could I possibly stand in the presence of the king of all creation, all the universe, and say no to him? Friend, today, would you trust him? If God is wanting to change your heart, would you allow him to? But then number three, a third thing happens. God shows himself to us when we come into his presence. God changes our lives. But then in verse 8, God sends us out to others. In verse 8 it says this, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Now this is a point in this passage that we're reading today that makes me wonder whether many people have ever really met with God. Did you hear me? It's a point in this passage that makes me wonder whether Many people have ever really met with God because according to God's word, when God shows himself to me, 
When I begin to understand who he is, when he changes my life, there's something about the character of God that I'm going to pick up by being in his presence. Listen, I'm going to have a sneaking suspicion that he deserves to be served. Isn't that an understatement? (laughs) I'm going to have a suspicion that he deserves to be served and that he must be up to something because of his nature. I'm in his presence, and, I, and I'm aware of his character and what he's about, and I begin to have a sense that God has something that he wants to accomplish, and I'll even have an almost automatic desire to be a part of it. Here I am in the presence of the king, and I have a sense that he's up to something, and it would just be an automatic assumption that, hey, I guess I'm a part of it. Can you get the picture here? You've got God. He's the one who asked the question. He says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? By the way, did you notice? The way it's stated here, I believe, is a clear reference to the Trinity. God says, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? It's like Genesis 1.26. Let us make man in our own image. So you've got God, and he's asking the question. You've got the seraphim. They're already obviously doing their job. And you've got Isaiah, who just had his life changed. I wonder who God's talking to. You can almost picture the Father, the Son, the Spirit. And I'm just putting this in a, in a way that we can see from our perspective. You can almost picture the Father, the Son, the Spirit asking this question and then looking out of the corner of their eye over at Isaiah. Whom shall we send? Whom shall go for us? But the way God does it, the way it's asked, you get the sense, and I don't make, mean to make too light of this, but Isaiah could have just whistled or looked the other way or, in other words, he didn't have to do this. I mean, there's a sense in which God is calling him to a decision, is he not? He asks a question, who are we going to send? Now, it may be obvious, maybe a rhetorical question, maybe obvious who he's talking about, but yet he's asking the question. And what does Isaiah do? He doesn't even hesitate. You, you almost get the sense that God was saying, who in all of creation can fulfill the assignment that we have. And Isaiah knew, don't miss this, that of all of God's creation, it should be man to do the Lord's work. And oh, by the way, he happened to be the only one of those there. He happened to be the only man there. So he automatically assumed, I guess he's talking to me. But he wanted God to know, Lord, Lord, I'm not doing this out of obligation. I'm not doing this because... Hey, you volunteered me anyway, publicly in front of everybody. No, he wanted God to know, I want to be the one. When we've truly met with the Lord, we have a sense that God deserves to be served. And we begin to have a desire to be the one to do it. So many people today have an attitude of let somebody else do it. But when we meet with the Lord, we know that God has clearly given us an assignment, an assignment that relates to some way that God's going to work in other people's lives. And there's a sense in which you couldn't imagine somebody else doing it because you have a clear sense that God spoke to you about it. Can I scare some of us to death right now? Can I just do that for a second? Some of us right here, right now, in this room, are one day going to leave New Hope. For a week. You're going to go for a week to help a church somewhere else in the world do the work that they're doing to reach people and teach people and grow people. Some of us right here, right now in this room 
are going to leave New Hope for a few months or a year to help another church plant in Southlands Falls or in Corinth or in Lake Georgia or in somewhere in the surrounding area. You're going to say, you know what? I believe in what God is doing and starting new churches all across eastern New York. I want to be a part of that work. And you know what? I love what God's doing in my life here at New Hope, but I believe it needs to be shared with other people, and I want to go be a part of helping another church. So I commit to six months, or I commit to a year of my life to sacrificially giving my life, my time, my talents to help another church have what we have. Some of us who are here right now, right now, are going to leave New Hope for the rest of our lives. Some of us are going to go to another community in this world and give our lives to serving the Lord. Now, for some, that sounds strange, doesn't it? And if God showed you that right now, you'd be so scared, you'd jump up out of your seat, you wouldn't care who saw you, you'd run right out the door and say, I'm out of here. If God showed you that right now, well, guess what? Ten years ago, if the Lord had shown me I was standing right here in front of all you, doing what I'm doing, I'd have said, yeah, right. And I'd have gone into insurance sales, all right? <laughs> It wouldn't have been as cheap as what I sell now. Some of us, God is going to call out because you're going to be in his presence. And he's going to speak. Hey, we need to send somebody. And you're going to have the sneaking suspicion. It almost feels like you're the only one in the room. And you're going to have the, the sense in your heart. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I've heard this. We need to send somebody. But today, it sounds like it's directed towards me. Many of us are going to stay at New Hope. Many of us are going to be here, and God is going to listen, friends. I want you to hear this. All of us need to be called. You need, you need to either be called to go out or called to stay. Some of us are going to be called to stay. And God is going to call on you to do things right here under our noses in our life, in our community, that you never thought you would do. You're going to be worshiping on a Sunday one day, and you're going to come and you're just, God, I'm so grateful for what you're doing in my life. I love my church family. This is great. I can't wait for Bible study today. Looking forward to what it is. Oh, no. God's going to speak to your heart. He's going to speak to you about teaching in a Awana class. He's going to speak to you about going on a youth mission trip and, and being a, a counselor for our youth. He's going to speak to you about planning a huge outreach event for our church. And you're going to say, who, me? Lord, it must be, as the skit said, somebody else. And Susan, many times I've said, Lord, can't it be Shannon? She's got much more experience than I do. She's been married to a pastor. She grew up in a pastor's home. Lord, send her. And you're going to have an idea that God is saying, I've got something I want to do in this church family. And the reason I've brought you to this church family is because I want you to be a part of that. And you're going to feel like you're the only person in the room. Like, like Isaiah, you're going to begin to realize, Lord, it must be me that you're talking to. Can I share a little higher perspective with you? I know what we've, I've talked about already is challenging enough. But you know what? Think about the bigger picture. Okay, most of the times we're thinking about what's going on in our lives. But think about it, the bigger picture. Right now, you may just now be at your in your own spiritual walk at the point where you're beginning to understand the reality of what I'm talking about today. But listen, do you realize there are people who started their walk with God years ago and where you're at right now, they went through five or six years ago 
And just recently, God began to bring them to an understanding of what you're beginning to see today. And he grew them to a point where they heard and answered what seemed like a ridiculous but clear call. And and if you really got to know them, there's still people, real people just like you. And if you really got down to the bottom of it, if you really ask them if it were up to them, they might still be doing what you do for a living. They might still live in the same community that you live in, maybe even the same country that you live in, but because they met with God, because He showed Himself to them, because He began to change their heart, He sent them out to others in a way that at least at first they could have never imagined. Now hold up for just a minute. We've been talking about you, we've been talking about me, but let's talk about somebody else. If somebody else has answered that call, If they'd been in the throne room of the Lord and God said, who are we going to send? And the spotlight was on them and they stood up and answered the call. Does that not give you a heart for them? Does that make you say, I want to encourage them any way I can. I want to pray for them. I want to support them. I want to email them. I want to go get a team together to go visit them and to help them in the work that they're doing. You see, for some of us, being a Christian is still all about us. We got saved. We're growing in our own walk with God. We're enjoying life. But when we meet with God, His character is such that we begin to be concerned about others. We begin to be concerned about sharing what we found with others. And we begin to get excited about those who had the guts to stand up and say, God's speaking to me about going somewhere else and doing something else. And we sure do want to encourage and help and support them any way we possibly can. Amen? Amen. Dear God, thank you that you've called me to stay here. Don't feel guilty, friend. If God calls you to stay at New Hope and to plant your life and to live in the same community you've lived in all your life, praise God, somebody needs to, amen? If we all loaded up and left, (laughs) there'd be no New Hope for this community. Not to say we're the only church, but I believe God wants us to be a church in this community. And so don't feel guilty at all about staying. God calls many of us to stay. But God's going to call some of us to go. And aren't the ones who are staying and who are enjoying so much that God is doing in our lives, don't you have a heart for those who have left it? They can no longer be a part of this church family. They can no longer receive the blessings we're receiving. So don't you want to stay in touch with them? Don't you want to let them know about what's going on here at New Hope? Don't you want to send them a a card every once in a while and say, we're praying for you, our class is praying for you, how can we help you? Can we send you a care package? Can you send us pictures of your children so we can put them on the bulletin board and we'll never forget what they look like or what their names are as our church family grows? Do you see our heart, church family? God is calling out to people and he's sending people out to help others. Do you have a heart to do that? Do you have a heart to do that here? And do you have a heart to do that all over this world? We make it complicated, but it's very simple. Jesus came to be the Savior, and he wants the whole world to know about him. He wants our community, he wants the surrounding communities in our area, and he wants the whole world to know that God loves them. He has a plan for them, and if they'll receive his gift, They can have a relationship with him that starts now and lasts for all of eternity. What happens when we meet with the Lord? Will you tell me? Have you met with God today? Is God speaking to your heart? Has God shown you something today that you've never recognized before? Maybe it's it's something old that you knew, and God's just kind of shined the light on that this morning. And God's shown himself to you in a powerful way. Maybe it's something that you never have heard before as you've been involved in church or in your walk with Christ, whatever it is. And that's beginning to change your heart, isn't it? Would you allow God to do that today? Would you welcome that? Would you say, dear God, just change me? Lord, show me 
what's in me that's not of you. Show me what's causing me to miss what you're wanting for my life. Just like Isaiah, woe is me, God. Oh, I know how, sh- how far short I am of you. But God, I thank you that you'd forgive me, that you'd cleanse me this morning. Would you ask him to cleanse you? Would you ask him to come purge you this morning? If you're not a Christian here today, friend, listen, that's where it starts, is by receiving Christ as your Savior. That's how this relationship starts. You come into God's presence and you realize, I'm not one of his children, but I want to be his child. I want to receive Christ. I want to have my sins forgiven. And right now, right where you sit, you could say, Dear God, I believe that you came for me. I believe that you died on the cross, that you rose again, and I want you to be my personal Savior. I invite you to come into my life to wash all my sins away and make me your child. If you're a Christian today, you've already prayed that prayer, and you already have a relationship with God, but but God's speaking to you about some things in your life that are getting in the way of what He's wanting to do. You'll never lose that relationship with Him, but you may not be as close as He wants you to be because there's some things in your life, and He's beginning to show you that. We allow God to change you. And my friends here today, would all of us, whether you feel called out or whether you feel called here, would you sense in a fresh way today that God has called you? He has called you to go out to others. If you've met with God and your life has been changed by Him, big or small, visible or maybe in a way that some people will never notice, God wants you to be impacting the lives of other people. You've learned about Him. You've experienced some things of Him that He wants to be shared with others. Would you be open to that? For some of you, that scares you to death. Would you just at least, would you say, God, I don't know how you would use me. I don't know what you would use me for. But today, I am open to allowing you to use my life. If God is speaking to you today, will you respond like Isaiah did?